Hello, and thank you for listening to Renewables, a podcast by Biostar, which aims to explore the current and future energy landscape in America. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the third episode of Renewables with Lila Ontiveros. We're very happy to have Lila as our guest this week and uh, really excited to dig into solar. We haven't had an episode dedicated to solar yet, so we're going to dig into that. Um, I want to brag on Freedom Solar for just a minute and give a little context. Um, I was introduced to Freedom through some kind of business development partners, and we've looked at some deals with them, helping them place financing on the commercial side of their business. They do a lot of residential um, in their business as well, and we're going to talk about some of the fun pros and cons uh, from your perspective, Lila, of both of those. But Freedom Solar, real quick, is having a record year, which is amazing to hear. Um, You're installing tons of Tesla power walls. You're the master sun power dealer for the state of Texas, and you're the oldest solar installer in the state of Texas. So I want to talk about all of that and more. Lila, thank you for joining us. Well, David, thank you so much for having me, and thanks for uh, pumping our tires. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I want to kind of dive right in. Obviously, everyone's talking about COVID, um, and we're just kind of smack dab in the middle of this thing, it seems. Do you think, is your record year correlating with more people staying at home and wanting to buy solar for their houses? Talk to me about that. Well, great question. And quite frankly, right now, that's one of the questions that I'm getting the most. Um, If we got in a time machine and went back to that first week of March, you know, in Houston, uh, we have the world's largest and richest rodeo. So usually that's what our world revolves around in Houston, Texas. a few days into the rodeo it was canceled and when we knew they canceled the rodeo well all you know everything was stopping and so there was a lot of uncertainty um with the ppp that came out and we very quite frankly we had no real idea what was going to happen and so if you would have asked me then in mid-march what our month would have been like in april i never would have believed you mm-hmm. so um there are many again i get this question quite frequently um Wood Mac came to us and said, you know, we're getting all this data. Please tell us some anecdotal stories of why we think that this is happening. So, yes, people are in their houses, thinking about their houses. They are doing home improvement projects. I mean, my dad built something and he'd had all the materials for 15 years that he only did recently. I painted a bathroom. So it's the same thing. Oh, I've got all new closet systems in my house. It's very organized. I'm sure. I'm sure. So the average homeowner in Texas is using about 30% more electricity than they were this time last year. So we've got that and things I didn't even think about. Con Street had put out some some data talking about how since COVID, we're using 20% more energy from our refrigerators, meaning we're home more, we're opening our refrigerators more, and worse, we're standing in front of them like teenagers. (laughs) And ever since reading that, I have caught myself every single time, and I still do it. I am so guilty. And I'm bad. I, I leave it open sometimes while I'm I grab something out and I'm thinking about it and I turn around and I've just left the refrigerator open. I'm terrible about that. I can relate. That's fine. So yeah, so people are looking into it. Um, it's We're always in uncertain times, but this is historically uncertain times and being able to be your own power provider provides some certainty. 
that's a big part of it. Um, we had a customer who called us last week and we all, of course ask everyone, what, why are you looking into going solar? And 99 times out of hundred, they'll say, you know, to save money. Sometimes it's just to get off the grid. This woman said, I've got three kids home from college and they won't shut up about it, about how I have to go solar. <laughs> so um, it's a whole slew of factors, but people are home, they're thinking about their home, they're spending more money on their electricity and they're not going places and wanting to just do some home, some home improvement projects. Sure. And also to the um, instability of the grid and that becoming more. Yeah, and you, you mentioned they're kind of becoming your own power provider um, creating your own microgrid. So I want to jump into these Tesla power walls. Uh, you mentioned that you all are having a lot of success uh, deploying those. And I think that's really cool to see that there's, you know, residential adoption of those and, and talk to, <clears throat> we're still a new podcast. We don't know exactly who our subscriber base is yet. Um, and hopefully it's growing fast, but talk to our, our um, listeners just about, what it means to add solar and then what it means to add battery storage to that and what it really does for you as a homeowner. Sure. And um, I'll give a great example. Um, some of your listeners may know this about the wildfires in California a couple of years ago, and even they've been as much as last year. And all of these Californians, their, the PG&E shut the grid down because of the wildfires. And the Californians thought, well, that's okay. I have solar panels, so I'm good on power. Well, they go to turn their light on and nothing happened. And so again, just a little bit rewinding for people who may not know that much about solar. And I did not know any of this until I got into the business, which was not that long ago. And they're a great movie, if you haven't seen it, or great books called The Current Wars. And it goes over DC power, which was George Westinghouse, which was deadly, and AC power, uh, which was Edison. So there was this big fight between the two. So AC powers what comes out of your wall. So when the sun comes onto your solar array on your roof, that power gets converted from the type of power that would electrocute you to a safe type of power. So let's say in, in Houston, we have a lot of hurricanes. Hurricane comes, wipes the grid out. Well, I don't know if you remember for, if you have any Houstonians who listen, after Harvey, it was sunny. For a long time mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. what would have happened if a solar panel which is connected to your roof the solar panel powers your house first and then any excess will go to the grid well the poor chap working on center point going to fix your line on a sunny day that solar panel would be putting direct current out and he's a he's sure. gone Sure. So there's a safety mechanism. Now that safety mechanism can, um, the battery can act as an island. So the solar panel powers your house first. It then goes to your battery, your battery fills up. So you're using, let's use the hurricane example, or September, it's long days. Your solar array is powering your house. And then at night you're pulling power from the battery. So I would say, when the power, so Tesla Powerwall is who we, uh, the batteries that we use. Um, even two years ago, I would have said in Houston, Texas, the majority of people who had Tesla batteries, Tesla Powerwalls were either A, just huge Tesla super fans, 
Yep. We've had a few red ones that were signed by, by Elon and I've never seen people be so excited. <laughs> or two, someone that had a very bad Harvey, Hurricane Harvey experience hmm. and it was an insurance policy for them. Mm -hmm. So meaning they couldn't get a natural gas line for their generator. So I'm going to never be in this situation again, yada, yada, yeah. yada. Post COVID, that was not the case. So we sold more Powerwall batteries in those two month period after COVID than we did all of last year. Wow. And again, I think it just human behavior of wanting to be have some certainty in your life. And I think Absolutely. some so those people our Tesla Powerwall buyers now are not driving Tesla cars. Yeah. They're just looking for certainty and, and using sure. that as an insurance policy. Well, it's super interesting. I mean, obviously, um, you know, resiliency has become a bigger topic. We're seeing it, um, the military, you know, everything is about resiliency, resiliency right now. Um, and it's so important because as you mentioned earlier, the grid is, is fragile, it's old, it's out of date. Um, I know you and I shared when we were kind of chatting beforehand that the book, The Grid is what it's called, is a great read for anybody interested in our outdated utility grid system and, and some of its fatal flaws. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a super interesting conversation and the idea of being able to create and store your own power on site. One thing I was hoping you could do, just a little bit of context, one of those Tesla Powerwalls is that like if I have a, a 2,000 square foot ranch house and I have freedom come and put solar on the roof and one power wall in and then and then I lose power, just put into context for our uh, listeners, <clears throat> how long will the will the battery last? How much you know? Am I just putting their turning the refrigerator on? Do I have some lighting in there too? How much can I? How much bang for your buck is? There? Great question. It very much depends on what you want to run. Tesla has a pretty interactive website that will let you click, I want to keep my cell phone charged, I want to do this and that. Okay. Um, so it also depends on where you live, right? So um, as we think through Houston, Texas, people want to have air conditioners. So people are buying more than just one power wall in a standard 2,000 square foot home than they would in in San Diego or New England that aren't running air conditioners 365. Sure. Um, so typically in Texas, if someone wants to run the air conditioner, which you do during hurricane season, because it is hot in September, um, put, someone will probably get two in Houston. Okay. That's it. not always the case, but that ensures that you'll be, you'll be running, running your AC. And, and one of the big adopters, obviously for solar, uh, and energy storage is available financing. So I want to shift a little bit to, um, you know, Biostar, we, we look at financing, mostly uh, commercial projects. Interestingly, though, we've had a couple of residential portfolios come across our desk, which, which we think strategically actually might make some sense to sort of diversify into the residential market. Um, but talk to me a little bit about available financing and how that has been able to, you know, help you grow your sales and, and, um, if I'm, I'm just sort of thinking for our listeners, if I want you to come out and, you know, install solar and a Tesla battery, which I do, I think it'd be really cool. I have a lot of trees over my house. 
Um, but what does that kind of process look like? And what are my options in terms of, am I shelling out a bunch of cash? Is there financing available for that? I know there's some tax credits out there, obviously, if you don't mind touching on that. Yeah, for sure. Lots of questions. So hopefully if I, I'll answer all. If I forget one, yeah, yeah. David, please, please remind me. So sure. financing is massively important for not just the growth of Freedom Solar, but how much solar has been installed over the course of the last 10 years. So Freedom Solar was founded in 2007, back when solar was about $8 a watt. Hmm. So uh, we're in a very different place now. Solar is 10%, uh, sorry, is 90% cheaper than what it was 10 years ago. Um, so that's a big part of the school. The other big part is the tax credit. So if you look back at 2016, there was this massive spike in the amount of installs done throughout the country. And the reason was that the tax credit at the time, which was 30%, was going away. So there was this FOMO or fear of missing out. So people piled yeah. in. That got extended, but that's still ratcheting down. So people are still wanting to make sure that they get that federal tax credit, which right now is 26%. As of today, it will go down to 22% in uh, January. That's to be determined depending on what legislation is passed. Uh, and then the third leg of the stool is the financing. So sure. the financing terms across the board are very, uh, very keen to do it. It's anywhere from a 12 year loan to 25 year loan and 2.99%. So, yeah. I, and it's unsecured. So I can't go to a bank and say, hey, what kind of unsecured loan can you get me for you know, under 10%? So what homeowners are doing is saying, hey, I'm spending, and we're getting a lot of this now, I've been spending X on my electricity. I'm now spending 30 to 50% more X because I'm home and because mm -hmm. electricity prices have gone up. Well, if I finance it, they're roughly the same. And if this price continuation goes up, then I, I can lock this in. So um, I think that was both the tax credit and the financing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So very, very favorable terms coming. I have a Wall Street background, so I was shocked that this was um, that this type of financing was was available to to average homeowners. It was great. So let's shift there for a minute because you mentioned your background again. Tell me a little bit about your background. I know you're you're relatively new to the solar biz. How did you get here? Um, and you know, how did some of your experiences ultimately? Um, kind of help you land where you are. For sure. So I have, uh, I always joke that I've lived a lot of movies. So I did a decade at, uh, I'm a native Houstonian, did a decade at Goldman Sachs in New York on the trading floor. So, yep. uh, you know, pre-08, post-08, it's all the whole thing. Um, open outcry, very much like what you see in the movies. Uh, then came back to my hometown, uh, worked on a presidential campaign as finance director, so that was really awesome. Did some philanthropy afterwards and then um, ended up back at a seat at a boutique investment firm where I still have a principal role there. But while I was there, I would watch all these companies come in and um, more private equity firms pitch us. We looked at 800 deals in 2018. And I thought to myself, man, everyone's telling me that the hardest part of their business is finding smart operators. And I was like, well, I may be smart, but definitely capable had reached out to some mentors um, of mine in the private equity space and someone new, uh, Brett Bigger, who is our CEO, had called him that day looking for someone to run their Houston office. So it was kind of 
a, a great, not only a great match, but being on the forefront of solar in Texas, it is very clear and very um, palatable when you're in the energy capital of the world that there is this energy transition, this shift that's happening. And sure. to be quote unquote solar girl leading that rooftop revolution was really, really exciting. And so yeah. there's, I'm sure as your listeners know, there's a million different ways with which people can uh, make money and get involved in the renewable space. And I admittedly, I will raise my hand and say, hey, we're the solar install guys. We are the rednecks and that is where I feel comfortable. Well, we <laughs> hire great guys who, you know, who do it safely and do it well. And the rednecks who used to work at Goldman. <laughs> yeah, yes. They'll tell you it. I was the redneck of the group too. So I can play both sides of the ball. I love it. And that's interesting, you know, because you mentioned the energy capital world, Texas, Houston, absolutely. Um, and all of, you know, typically, um, not to think in terms of stereotypes, but you think Texas, you think oil and gas. And um, that's sort of always been the case. But it's it's interesting to hear you sort of acknowledge that and, and that you think the greater community is definitely acknowledging that. Um, so talk to me about because... Yeah, the reason that people are going solar, the earlier adopters were, again, either tech people or super into the environment. And yeah. now the environment, good, right, wrong, or indifferent, is a secondary reason why people are going solar. Sure. So what has happened, we've had, as I'm sure you've read, and it's only gotten worse post-COVID, we've had this mass migration to Texas. Mm -hmm. So we have about a thousand people who move here every day. I've heard post-COVID, it's actually up to 1,500. Wow. And so I did not know this until I got into the solar biz, but for your listeners, there are three grids in the U.S. There's the Eastern Interconnection, the Western Interconnection, and what's called ERCOT, which is essentially Texas. So a little history lesson. So if you think back, we obviously weren't alive, but in the mid-30s, then Congressman LBJ um, was really pivotal in working with FDR to bring power to Texas because 90% of Texas in 1935 had no power. World War II happens, everyone, you know, we win the war, everyone's super excited, appliances come out, and the population of Texas then was uh, 7.1 million people, but only 1 million had power. So still not a lot of people had power. So fast forward, let's call it the 60s. My parents are in high school in the Houston area. And the population of Texas in 1960, let's just assume most people in 1960 have electricity. Population was 9.6 million people. Wow. Now greater Houston has over 7 million people. Uh -huh. So what didn't exist in Houston, Texas in 1960? A lot of things, but air conditioning. So air conditioning is, my parents didn't have air conditioning, which is insane yeah. to me. Right. Um, I couldn't live here without air conditioning. Those are hot I, summers in Houston. What's that? Those are hot summers in Houston. It's hot winters too. So, um, <laughs> what we're, so again, we've gone from a population of 9.6 when the grid was fully built to 30 million. We have more people using more stuff most of our homeowners that we're doing solar for have two air conditioning units. Mm -hmm. So it becomes this supply demand issue, which we saw last August. Um, there's a company called Gritty, which is 
become popular in the deregulated parts of Texas. So again, this is like very Texas specific. In uh, 99, then Governor George W. Bush made Texas a deregulated state, giving Texans, quote unquote, the power to choose. Yep. So free markets, the cost of power goes down. We've got some of the cheapest power uh, on planet Earth in America, but particularly uh, here, here in the deregulated parts of Texas. And so um, the company comes out and says, hey, we're going to give you wholesale power which wholesale power in Texas can be like two or three cents, but you have to pay a monthly fee of 10, 90, or 10 bucks, 9.99. Great, sign me up. Well, what happened was the wind stopped blowing in August in West Texas. And uh, during a previous administration, they had gotten rid of all these uh, coal plants. So more people needing more power, less of it. And the price went from three cents a kilowatt to $9 a kilowatt for about wow. four wow. hours. So if you do the math, I mean, obviously it's a split up against a, but against a lot of retail electric providers and grid operators, but I mean, it was a almost $2 billion, not mistake, but a $2 billion loss. Yeah. And I'm still paying 10 cents a kilowatt when I turn my light on. Right. Retail electric provider. So that provided real, um, an eye-opening live snapshot into not just how susceptible our grid is, but how we have a supply demand problem. Mm -hmm. So a very long winded way to give some historical context of no, why no, we're that's solar great. now. Yeah, no, I really appreciate the the history perspective and um, that's, that's all great. I wanted to kind of come back to freedom a little bit. Um, you all are are you mainly working in Texas or all of your customers in Texas or have you expanded beyond Texas? Um so we have two pieces of the pie. Uh our residential piece. So we are, as David mentioned, the uh, master dealer for Sun Power. Sun yeah, Power yeah. is high-end solar um manufacturer for the state of Texas. So if you want the top of the line solar panels. Uh, Freedom Solar is is your guy slash gal. Uh, all of our employees are W two employees. We do everything in house, so the permitting we take care of. All the design is done here. Um, that is very 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 rare. I have sure, learned. Sure. Commercial. Um, we have expanded outside the state in the past. Um, so for instance, we did some Whole Foods. If you've been to any Whole Foods in in Texas that has solar. We'd done that, and um, I guess we did such a good job. They asked us to go do them in Manhattan and some other places. And at the time, a handful of years ago, we said, mm, "That may, we're happy to. That might not be caught, you know. That might be more expensive for you than getting the local guys." But that has sure. since changed. We're sure. doing um, stuff as far as Idaho, right on the Canadian border. So, and let me ask you, just from a legislative standpoint, because you do have little bit of background in politics, and I trust that you uh, probably, like me, are a little bit of a, a political and policy junkie and, and track stuff like this. So, you know, you're seeing California, for example, is in the news last year, they mandated that all residential uh, homes being built had to have solar on them. Do you all kind of track that legislation? And I know, you know, for us as commercial solar developers, we're following, you know, 10 to 15 states uh, from a legislative standpoint to figure out what their SREC programs are going to be and, and which are kind of the up and coming markets. So just curious how much you keep the, your finger on the pulse of that. And if, 
if legislation, obviously the federal tax credit you're monitoring, but if there's any legislation in Texas or other states that might drive you into new markets. I would say I probably get asked about the federal tax credit three to five times a day, Yeah, which um, we have to go over some schoolhouse rock. Um, yeah. be, because last year, what did happen, <clears throat> both the House and the Senate did pass an extension. And right. then it got to the president's desk and they and the president kept wind and did not keep solar. Mm -hmm. So um, that is, again, I get asked on a very, you know, hour by hour basis. The stuff in Texas, I'm, I'm one of these people and just in general, I try not, if I can't control it, then I'm not going to spend that too much time on it. Sure. Do I think that um, there could be, you know, 20 years from now, some sort of mandate like California has that new homes have to have solar, maybe. Um, I think what's becoming more interesting, particularly as we have, I mean, U-Haul, so many people from California moved to Texas that U-Haul can't get their trucks back. U-Haul is paying people to drive them back to California. And so I think that that is starting to set a tone. Um, there's 4% market penetration of solar in, uh, in Austin. And some of those home developers are start in those newer neighborhoods. They have like starter packs on the home. Yeah. So these, the savvy real estate broker, if they get a house with a solar array on it, they will say, hey, David, you're looking at buying a home. Do you want a home without an electricity bill? Yeah, I do. So I, I think that Texas will probably be driven more by free markets than government regulation. Um, or, or a government mandate, but that's, it's not something that it keeps me up at night by, sure, by sure. any means. Well, we're, we're free market capitalists at, at Biostar, and I'm glad to hear that folks are doing, you know, that you can actually adopt this and save money, and, and it's more than just patting yourself on the back and doing the right thing for the environment, but it's actually having an impact on on Texans' lives and uh, and being able to save them real real money that they can hopefully go plug back into the economy somewhere else or, or throw in a savings account, so. And it helps the grid also. Sure. And, and, and so just so you know, for a reminder, the Houston area has over 7 million people. If you and I, in a pre or post COVID world, walked into a party with a hundred people and said, hey, party person, do you have solar on your roof? We would get 99 no's and that last person, there'd only be a one in three chance that they had solar on the roof. Yeah. So it's 0.35%. Virtually the growth rate that we will see in Houston for solar is going to continue to be exponential. So if I, I went through some center point interconnection data, and if you look at all of the installs done in 2019 compared to 2018 to the beginning of when solar first started getting installed, sure. more was sold in 2019 than all the other years put together. Wow. So we had 2.3x uh, growth in Houston, and that's we Houstonians, not we Freedom Solar, uh, between 2018 and 2019. Um, we have had, we Freedom Solar have had 187% growth in Houston. So as more and more, the largest subset of home buyers or millennials, as they also care about the environment, that will sure. start to be a thing that they look for on homes, which is why these home builders this is the smart ones are having it in the same way that do you want a pool? Do you want? Sure. No, it's great. 
Yeah, and, and I've, I've actually seen that too, kind of on the energy efficiency side of things where, you know, do you want the super efficient package with all LED lighting and whatnot? So, so I've seen that before. Really quickly, the last thing I kind of had on my list was battery pricing. We hopped around a little bit, but, um, you know, obviously on the commercial side of things, it still seems that, um, you know, batteries are kind of where solar panels were six, seven, eight years ago. Um, do you think that's true on the residential side of things? Is there a lot of efficiencies to be gained over the next few years? Very much so. Um, so batteries, we are not bashful at all. They are expensive. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's become a big part of this energy transition plan. So there's a group in Houston. They're looking, again, this was pre-COVID, looking to bring 50 green tech companies to Houston. Of the 50, they wanted 25 of them to be batteries. Yeah. So there, there's your, there's your answer, right? I think there's going to continue to be a lot of innovation. Just so happens Tesla has one of the biggest balance sheets in the world right now, given yeah. where their stock price are. Right. So they're going to be able to innovate. It'll be interesting to see what happens as SpaceX and the Tesla the automaker and Tesla the energy company uh, to see how those evolve, but it's super exciting. And I do we'll I figure out which ones are profitable, right? Exactly. <laughs> you, you'd hope so if you're a shareholder. Yeah. So as, they, as it evolves, I do think we're at a point it's still iPhone early days sure. versus we are at an interesting point in solar panels. So if you think back when the iPhone, iPhone first came out, same thing, who bought it? Total tech nerds or really rich people. And they were very expensive and the mm -hmm. price started to come down. So same with solar, price was very expensive, started to come down. But as the price of electricity has gone up for us, I mean, an iPhone now is worth, is more expensive than they were right. when they first came out. Right. So we're at this weird inflection point with electricity prices rising and the mm -hmm. solar panel prices coming down where it, we might not see it get cheaper. Right. No, it's super interesting. We we submitted um, an offer today for a three cent PPA for 25 years, uh, and it's only about a two megawatt system. So um, I I hope it doesn't get any cheaper, or else we won't be able to make any money. <laughs> yeah, but I don't yeah, think so. people think it's just like another electronic, like a TV was versus 10 years ago. Right. And I right. think we've already had that price drop. As, as low as I think it's going to get. We've already seen our prices increase. Sure. I also saw today, I can't remember the manufacturer. Um, my, Jinko, the 615s? The 615, yeah. 600 watt panel. Yeah, I, I read amazing. it this morning. I thought, is this like the car show when the car show first happens? That, <laughs> like, when is this going to be available? Right. But yeah, think things will continue to evolve at the moment. Uh, we have a 415 watt panel which is the highest for residential um and so pretty crazy it's come a long ways well lila any other final thoughts thank you so much for coming on it's been a great conversation my and pleasure we got a little history lesson in there we got um some really we got technical got down on the weeds on solar so i, I really appreciate that and it sounds like uh you all have your work cut out for you uh, this year and and beyond to keep delivering clean renewable energy to um, Houstonians who are cranking that AC. So 
I hope you uh, I hope you all find a way to keep scaling your business and and keep growing your success. Congratulations on your successes thus far, and thank you so much for being our guest today. It was my pleasure. Had a lot of fun. Thanks, David. Awesome. Thanks, Lila. Take care.